0: Bond's thoughts were interrupted by the stewardess. Fasten your seatbelts, please. As she spoke, the plane dropped sickeningly and soared up again with an ugly note of strain and the scream of the jets. The sky outside was suddenly black. Rain hammered on the windows. There came a blinding flash of blue and white light and a crash as if an anti-aircraft shell had hit them and the plane heaved and bucked in the belly of the electric storm that had ambushed them out of the mouth of the Adriatic. Bond smelt the smell of danger. It is a real smell, something like the mixture of sweat and electricity you get in an amusement arcade. Again, the lightning flung its hands across the windows. Crash! It felt as if they were the center of the thunderclap. Suddenly, the plane seemed incredibly small and frail. Thirteen passengers. Friday the 13th. Bond thought of Luilia Ponsby's words, and his hands on the arms of his chair felt wet. How old is this plane, he wondered. How many flying hours had it done? Had the death-watch beetle of metal fatigue got into the wings? How much of their strength had it eaten away? Perhaps he wouldn't get to Istanbul after all. Perhaps a plummeting crash into the Gulf of Corinth was to be the destiny he had been scanning philosophically only an hour before. In the center of Bond was a hurricane room. The kind of citadel found in old-fashioned houses in the tropics. These rooms are small, strongly built cells in the heart of the house, in the middle of the ground floor, and sometimes dug down into its foundations. To this cell, the owner and his family retire if the storm threatens to destroy the house, and they stay there until the danger is past. Bond went to this hurricane room only when the situation was beyond his control and no other possible action could be taken. Now he retired to the Citadel, closed his mind to the hell of noise and violent movement, and focused on a single stitch in the back of the seat in front of him, waiting with slackened nerves for whatever fate had decided for BEA flight number 130.
1: Welcome to the James Bond Complex. My name is Matt. My name is Edgar. We are a podcast that covers the entire James Bond phenomenon, from Fleming to film, and of course, everything in between. Of course. Mm. See what I did? I just went, "Mm," instead of, oh, I went, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. Anyhow, uh, today we're back with uh, Fleming second edition. Um, Mm -hmm. This time we are covering the, wait. So it's Kissing a whale. What's
2: one? Living that die. That's three. No, it's two. Excuse me.
1: Diamonds are forever. Moonraker. Oh, Moonraker. See, thank you, Melanie. <laughs> the, the voice of God spoke to me and said I Whistler. was wrong
2: voice of reason insanity oh jesus i you podcast. know it's,
1: it's because of these goddamn movies that were made out of order so i get confused sometimes well, to be so, fair
2: behind the scenes little you know behind the scenes pink we did record diamonds before we recorded Munich.
1: that's why but that's maybe that's
2: why, why you're thinking diamonds are for moonraker There's that's a little why of a schedule I, got, mishap, I
1: got so yeah yep. hmm. uh, so moonraker diamonds and now we're up to number five unless i'm mistaken again this is the fifth one <laughs> Good Tradici-
2: traditionally, traditional, uh, the school I went to when you were counting, uh, increasing numbers, five came after four. So, okay. as far as
1: I know, between between uh, between four and six, five, yeah, yeah yeah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so it's it's uh, the fifth book by Ian Fleming, um, for for this discussion, we brought uh, a friend of the show, uh. Mm-hmm. A previous uh, in, uh, guest on the show also, uh, a bird, uh, uh, Mel Bird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, verb, James Burbs. Verb. Yeah. See, it's, it's,
1: it's the accent. I'll, I blame the accent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Such a Aww. sexy accent. Aww.
0: Hello again. How's it going, Melanie? <laughs> oh, doing well. I'm so excited to talk about this.
2: It's, and, and we're excited to get into this book. Uh, as well, uh, a real deep dive, as we like to do here. Um, maybe just before we, we start, as we've done with our, our four previous guests on the, on the Fleming second edition series, maybe just touch base a little bit with your personal history with Fleming and, and specifically your personal, your journey, I, I believe as Zeritsky likes to say, you know, your journey with, with From Russia with Love, uh, assuming this was not a first-time read, which I'm sensing it wasn't, uh, you've gone on on a journey, you know. It was terrible. Now it's good, or it's the constant. So maybe what's your what's your background with Fleming and his fifth, uh, over?
0: So this is um, I read all of these books. Gosh, it probably would have been over fifteen years ago, and just breezed right through one after the other. Um, I will say that I have not read any of the continuation novels. So uh, so I'm a I'm a Fleming girl. I was really taken with them. Um, I, you know, and I think it's one of those things on the first read, you get caught up in the action, you know, um, learning all of the different characters. There's excitement. Uh, I believe most of us have been introduced to James Bond through the films first, and that was hmm. certainly my case. Mm-hmm. So it was really exciting to dive into the books and see some of these film scenes uh, written out in great detail to really get into the mind of Bond, and then what really sort of changed things for me was uh, I live in the D.C. area, and I went to go see a, a speaker at the Smithsonian and talk Smithsonian. about Ian Fleming and these works and all of the symbolism that was involved. And on going back and rereading all of this, it was one of those things that I was: how on earth did I miss so hmm. much of these? These aren't little. I mean, they are, they're fun, but they're not just little fun pulp novels. Uh, he put so much thought into this. There's a lot of deep meaning into it in his characters and going back and then doing a second reading of them and taking my time and really appreciating mm-hmm. all of those little details uh, really, um, you know, it, it, it made me appreciate his works that much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this will be the third time that I've gone through and read From Russia With Love. It, uh, along with Casino Royale, those are probably my mm-hmm. two favorite books. And I feel that's sort of because you have his first book and then what was meant to be the last book and how those work as bookends. And there's so, um, there's so many things that tie those two books together neatly, and, and, and the, the first, the series of the first five books, you know, themes that run throughout, symbols that are reoccurring, uh, characters, the meanings behind mm-hmm. their name, uh, there's so much depth. And uh, I really feel these first five books were masterpieces. Um, oh, after wow. that, yeah. af- I know, and I, I hate to say it, but I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we got the books. I don't think we would have had the film series without the future books. However, there's part of me that sort of wishes that this had been the end because <laughs> the first five were just so perfect. I feel all the, all the subsequent books, each one has flaws. Uh, And you can definitely tell he's getting tired of it. He gets more experimental in his writing. There's some parts that are really sloppy. (laughs) He's he's sort of just getting a paycheck at this point. He's writing more Mm. for film and TV. Mm. But these first five books, and I'm really excited that uh, I get to chat about this one, which was meant to be the last. And uh, talk about how everything was tied up with a neat little bow here in this book. (laughs)
2: It's funny, you mentioned that the, the first uh, five in your estimation are, are masterpieces because I do remember tuning in a, a little bit because uh, you were a guest on Zeritsky's Reading Challenge for Diamonds Are Forever, if memory serves. And I was. That was pre-our pre recording of that book, so I hadn't reread it yet. Our original review of Diamonds, we it a little bit. Now, we, don't, don't, we don't hate it, but we purported it a little bit. And I remember tuning into the reading challenge on which you were a guest and you were so effusive, you were so over the moon about <laughs> diamonds that I was like, well, that's, there's some food for thought there. I'll take some of those things into consideration when we, because our, our diamonds review was coming up. Uh, and yeah, I, I remember yeah. we were much more, uh, I mean, it helped that, that Joey was, loved the, the, the book as well, our, our guest on that episode. Um, but but the reading experience of diamonds was much more positive in, in, in no small part, uh, thanks to, to some of the tidbits you shared on the reading challenge episode on Zoritsky's uh, channel. So yeah, it's sort of it's all it's all making sense now that you 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 love the first five books so dearly. There have been little little hints of your love of those books uh, for for a while now, I guess, on various feeds.
0: Yes, yes, and I uh, I had the joy of. Um, doing commentary, fan commentary on two of the chapters from Casino Royale, and uh, and so I'm I had a blast with that. Uh, you managed. I know you were pulling names, I guess, out of a hat for these, and mm. I could not have gotten yeah. better chapters <laughs> for the Casino Royale <laughs> fan commentary. Uh, I was thrilled with that, and then when you uh, reached out to me and said, "Hey, we pulled your name for From Russia with Love," I was definitely doing a little happy dance <laughs> behind the scenes here.
2: <laughs> I mean, we we did happy little dances when we put out your name for this for this book too. And and you know, we just before we hit record, you know, there were some, you know, we are we are men, you are a woman, and I yeah, I was reading rereading the book this week, and there were certain passages where well. I was like this is gonna be an interesting conversation. Even I don't know what to think about this person, person right here.
0: <laughs> oh, there's some of that, definitely. <laughs> well, well, Ian Fleming yeah. writes his own thoughts and opinions, and mm. and you no, get all, a he's unfiltered. You know,
1: I, I know with, with character and actions we're gonna talk about, is that Ian Fleming? Is this real or is this fiction? Is this something he heard or is this something he was told? Because the, you know, Karen Bay feels like a, a, a an actual character, and there's always, often uh, in, in Fleming's uh, f- writing, a character that introduces uh f- James Bond to the world. Um, so I don't know. If, you know if you could say that Fleming is writing necessarily his own uh, you know I don't think he, t- he chained any woman to a, to a table or had fantasies perhaps of doing that I, 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 I you know he's always had these mentor characters that are uh, <laughs> So i'm just laughing because edgar's laughing we don't
2: know I, what you fantasized about brother I, we do not know what he fantasized about
0: but i think he actually i think in a few of his the autobiographies about him i think he was actually into SM.
1: yes he is he apparently so he was he,
0: he may have had women chained under a table and uh, in straps, but yes. hopefully hopefully They were willing participants.
1: Ideally,
2: that's how SNM works.
1: There's a difference between a kink and something a little bit nastier. And Karen Bay is certainly a character in this book. And, you know, uh, is is it Fleming talking through Karen Bay or is Karen Bay based on somebody that Fleming... New. I tend to think uh, he's probably mm. based on the on, uh, on, uh, connaissance of uh, Fleming more than a uh, part of Fleming's psyche that he put into this character. but yeah, he's certainly something when he tells us his backstory you're like oh, okay.
0: Let's just dive right in because I would love to give my thoughts on Karim. <laughs> so we'll yes. just we'll start there. We're gonna get yes? we're gonna get all of this Please. out of the way with. Because Please. I know this this part of the book can be troublesome to read. <laughs> yes, um, it,
1: it, so, it hasn't aged well.
0: So, yeah. so I'm going to provide these are my thoughts on the on the subject. Um, throughout these first five books, you have a lot of discussion of the whole master servant relationship, and this starts back in the very first novel. Um, there's there's actually some discussion about uh, James how he's a servant he serves his queen he serves M M the master so there's uh, there's always this interplay in his head about one day I would love to get married and you know uh, there's there's often a lot of times about that he'll discuss rape or taking women where it's sort of this interplay between Bond himself is a servant, but he often thinks about wanting to sort of be this master. So this is kind of my take on this. Bond looks up to Karim, you know, it's one of these things where he he says, oh, you know, he, he has a fondness for him, he respects him. At the same time, this character is the most interesting for me in this entire book. So I'm really glad we're starting with it because um, Bond respects him. He likes him. But then at the same time, wait a second, when he goes to kill in blood, in cold blood, Mm -hmm. that's something Bond doesn't do. He thinks a little bit less of him. It doesn't sit well with him. Bond can't stop thinking about it. But when he hears the whole story about how you know, he's the master of his domain. All of these people love him. He has all of these contacts. Um, he has women he controls, this huge harem. Uh, he has all of these sons. So it's almost like he's the stereotype of what I think Fleming would idealize masculinity might be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one thing that I found really, really interesting And um, I get into this, I talk about how Fleming a lot of times puts meaning behind all of these names the names that he chooses mm-hmm. are not random mm-hmm. so um, you know if you look at uh, felix the mm-hmm. origin behind the name felix is luck lucky and oftentimes felix comes sweeping in when things are looking dire for bond <laughs> and saves him in the situation we see this happen in uh just the last just book finish. diamonds
2: Diamonds and, and
0: Gold, I mean, all of these books where, uh, let's start with Casino. You know, Bond has lost all of his money and it's Felix, Felix comes true. in. And luck is one of the main themes that we see running throughout all of his books. Uh, how much Bond relies on luck. We'll get to that later. But uh, if you look at Darko with Karim, Darko, even though he says, oh, you know, I was called Darko because I had darker skin. Um, Darko, the origin of the, of the name Darko actually means gift. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the origin of the name Mathis, Mathis is, also means gift. So you have these two characters. Uh, now, what's interesting is in talking about names, Donovan Grant or mm-hmm. Red Grant, uh, the name Donovan, actually the origin of that name is dark and he is definitely our dark <laughs> character in this book so uh Karim Darko which again like we just said he says he was named that because of darker skin Karim this i found really really fascinating when i was doing my research on this in islamic tradition it's one of the names of god and In From Russia With Love, Bond even says he puts M below God. Oh. (laughs) So, So this is something that I think Fleming, Fleming is very intentionally writing a lot of his own thoughts. Like I said, there's this whole interplay between Bond being a servant and his desire to be sort of the super masculine You know, master, um, and what he aspires to be. So I, I that's kind of my take on all of this. Um, You know, I don't know. Maybe Fleming was just saying that that's what he thought about the culture, his views on the culture. These these Turks have these harems and they treat women terribly. I don't know. I think there might be a little bit more to that, and I think we see a smidge of it. You get this whole story about her being treated like a dog chained under the table being fed scraps and then when we see tatiana later she's wearing the velvet band Mm. collar Mm. around her neck so Mm. i really think that's very intentional i think there's i feel
1: so much dumber by talking to you I, i thought i thought it was so clever that hey uh, what's your name? Uh, uh, is a toad, and what's his name? Is a wolf. They're animals, and it's a recurring theme because in "Live and Let Die," Mr. Big is a shark. Uh, and now I feel uh, that's that, that's the, like the the kitty version. Mystery. Like that, that's the obvious thing. Now you're you're you're, you're oh, <laughs> this <There's> all. <laughs>
0: like i said this is just my interpretation
1: <laughs> yeah but no it's it's it, it's valid i mean it's work of art i mean if if this book had no value at all they would have ceased publication like 50 years ago they they it's been reprinted because it has value it obviously has more meaning and it's more than of course it's a thrilling adventure tale but there you know plumbing new stuff there's the, the, the travel log, log aspect are still vetted up to this day it's very well mm. researched when you read that book you you feel like you're part of it and your your analysis uh, and knowing that Fleming was a little bit kinky and, 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 and into uh, BDSM uh, the, the master uh, subservient uh, roles uh, you just blew my mind uh, honestly that, that's <laughs> an aspect of the book that I, I'm like Oh, really? It's, it, 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 it oh, yeah, like the guy was having therapy by writing these books much more than we realized. I mean, he, he started writing after he got married, but he's, that, he's really going to like a midlife crisis as he's writing these books, reading, writing these books. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Well, oh. M- Melanie said she would blow our minds. Promised said, promise delivered. Uh, <laughs> So, well, the the, the BDSM point is is kind of interesting. Now, spoilers, I'm not so much into BDSM, and it's not a culture I know particularly well, but there is something, there must be something about that, considering that when uh, Kerem uh, recounts the the tale of how he got to one of his many, many women, um, and he mentions that his mother was quite... uh, furious with him she disapproved of, of the, his treatment of this of this woman and she at orders you know Kerim to to let her go and he unchains her and it looks like she's about to leave Kerim but no she decides to stay. I think if you've never read a Fleming if you've never read this book and and maybe you don't have a whole lot of insight about how such cultures work you might be going like oh my god Fleming's awful like you know he obviously he would think that women you know want to be chained to a table but further to your point Melanie there might be something deeper I mean it take it takes two to tango it takes two to be into be BDSM you, you can't really do it alone you know you need to be two people so there might be something then which is also further to your point Matt there, there could be something there where it's like well if the other person actually likes it, why would they leave?
0: I didn't get that from the... Uh, yeah, when I read the book, I didn't get that... I, I, for me, when... Uh, and I think this is what um, most people... doesn't sit well with most people, is that the woman specifically in that chapter was, uh, you know, not consenting. That she was held oh. there against her will. And then at the end, when she remains loyal to Karim, it's more out of you know the traumas that she's endured, um, not necessarily what is the condition that um, like Stockholm syndrome. Yes, like almost like a Stockholm syndrome, exactly. Okay. So okay. I, I think that's I think that might be what doesn't sit well with people. Is um, but I I do believe in his writing. At least the impression that I got was that it was non-consensual. However, we do know. And like I said, hopefully in Fleming's own personal life, it was this consensual sort of master servant type of BDSM relationship that he had. But I think more so than that, the, the thing that's interesting is the mother being disapproving, but the woman ultimately sort of siding with Karim is, I think, another thing that sort of speaks to Fleming's relationship with his own mother. And he yes, had a... I, <laughs> okay, Matthew... You, I was going to
1: say that, and I'm, I'm like, you're, 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 you're saying it before I... Uh, yes, yes, I know what you're <laughs> going to say. Keep going, because I, I won't have to say it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, and Fleming had a very, very interesting relationship with his own mother, um, which leads me to another character, which is Rosa Klebb. And this is something we see throughout all five of the books. Is there's a, and 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 future books too. Fleming constantly has the symbol of roses. You will see it brought up time and time and time again from the start of Casino, where it's La Villa Rose, and ev- mm. you know Bond thinks everything is rosy and wonderful, and it's always this symbol of something evil something not as it seems, uh, something very hmm. dark and sinister. At the very, the pink very, room
1: where he gets tortured and there's no way out, for example. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly, so right off, the, right off the bat with From Russia With Love, we start with Rose Land, which is where we meet Red Grant. That's
2: true.
0: In chapter two, <laughs> when uh, in chapter two, we see a gigantic bowl of roses on a, on a desk that he keeps looking at. Let's talk about uh, when Bond actually gets killed. He looks at a chair that has a rose floral pattern on it before um, Rosa does him in. Rosa Klebb herself. So this is the woman who actually successfully kills Bond and he names her Rosa. And she's this embodiment of the feminist movement. Now we do know that he based this character off of a real woman. But the name Rosa Kleb is um, a direct take on the Soviet uh, feminist movement, which was called Kleb i Rosi, which means bread and roses. So, this was an actual movement, feminist mm. movement, women's rights. Um, Bond is a known womanizer. It's a weakness of him. But let's get a little bit further into this. This woman who symbolizes all of this is the one that finally mm. gets Bond. Absolutely. Fleming's mother's name, her maiden name, was Rose.
1: Uh,
0: uh, 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 do you think? <laughs> do you think there could be oh something my- to this?
1: Jesus, and even the to- w- w- when they, they talk about the way she she um, gets people to talk, uh, it, it oh. at times it looks like a mother, like. Oh disciplining her children, basically. And I'm like, now that you're saying it, it's obvious. Like he's, Bon is fighting his mother be, and, before he was, oh my God.
0: And and again, I think that's why Fleming purposefully wrote that story and as, comf- as uncomfortable as it is to read and to hear Karim talking about this, I really think that's why Fleming wrote that in there. <laughs> There's there's something it, deeper to this.
1: There, there's a mirror with, with Bon and Tatiana later on in the book, which I, I honestly I until now I never it I feel dumb for saying that because it's it's obviously it's it it's in there, but you know with with a collar like a dog. Uh, I, but oh my god, you're, I'm gonna say that a lot. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, this is one of my favorite books. I feel like uh, this and Casino really bookend the, this first five series and. Um, I have to sort of disassociate the rest of the novels because I feel like uh, this is a different Bond that we're seeing from the the future books. Uh, And so in my head, I kind of like to imagine Bond actually did die at the end of this one because I think it's just the Hmm. perfect end to this first five Hmm. book series and the perfect end for him. And I think also in a lot of the messages that Fleming's trying to convey to the reader, if you read into this a little bit deeper, you know, Bond is a gambler. We keep seeing uh, luck is something consistent throughout these first five books. And as we all know, the house always wins and eventually Mm. your luck runs out and we see that happen for Bond. So I I thought it was a very fitting end to this. And
1: um, (laughs) I I like to know, but yeah, there's a
0: Oh, there's some you know, when, great, there's some great I, don't get me wrong. I feel like uh, the subsequent books, uh, they're fantastic. I'm glad we got them. We wouldn't have had the the Blofeld trilogy without it. Uh, the film series we wouldn't have had without it. However, I do feel there's a lot of flaws in the future books. And I feel as though you can kind of tell Fleming's heart isn't in it as much as in these first five books.
1: Yeah, they're, 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 it's a... Nice little package. I, you know, if you're not, you know, I think I, I've read that in uh, the bedside companion. They they really talk about the first uh, batch of uh, of books as being sort of its own thing, and the lerons are are, own, are their own thing. The short stories are ooh, leftovers morsels that were like left on the table. But if you just look at the following book uh, in regards to that final. Uh, Seen in uh, From Russia with Love, in uh, Doctor No, it's really like how he survives and what happened after the. It, it's really, it's really underwhelming. It's, there, sloppy.
0: They, it's sloppy. It's sloppy writing.
1: I, I, you know, I in my heart, I think I told Edgar that, but I'd love to write a book called From London with Hate, which would be a sequel to From Russia with Love, where he, they have to trade Rosa Klebb for something else and. Bond has mm. to bring her back to Russia, and Tatiana's involved somehow. I, it feels like it's the story is not complete. That they need, they need Bond and her need a final sit down, like the mm. scene in Skyfall, the movie with with Silva needed to happen between no, novel Bond and novel Rosa Klebb, that she. She died. She had a heart attack five yeah. seconds after she she killed Bond, <laughs> and Tatiana is never seen again. Uh, it's 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 really a sort of an it's, underwhelming. It, uh, yeah, it doesn't start Doctor No on a sure footing. Like the, the the book does get better, but they sweep that and that conclusion under the rug, and you're like. Uh, Mm, it's it weakens from Russia with love because it's it's it ending us lost all uh, a lot of its power by just discarding mm. that type of this is uh, mm. such a powerful ending when he like just falls over and that's that's the final chat. The final lines just in poof.
0: I loved it. I absolutely loved the ending. I love that Bond goes out and like his dying thought is, I got a pretty girl.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Poison is taking effect. He's not thinking too clearly all of a sudden. Yeah. And it's it's a very shocking ending. It's a very abrupt ending, but going back to to one of your other points, Melanie, about the house always winning. You know, there are conversations between Kerem and Bond as when they're on the Orient Express before Kerem bites the dust about uh, Kerem saying well I'm sure you want to go through with this you know we could get off the train at such and such town and make it a heck of a lot simpler and and Bond gambler that is says no 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 no. I think we got this I think we got this you know that this this should this should work out the odds appear to be in his favor and, and he never You never really know when the house is going to win it. It tends to be rather abrupt. There is no such thing as, as, you know, gambling is, is, depending on the game, I suppose gambling is mostly luck. You don't know when you're going to win or when you're going to lose, uh, unless you have a very uh, tricky card dealer, I suppose, but otherwise you don't really know what's going to happen. So yeah. And he loses very abruptly. It's, 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 it's extremely shocking. Uh, I, even reading it this week, I finished the book yesterday, and it still takes me aback. It still takes my breath away. It's like, is this? well no! But there's another piece of paper, but it's blank. This, 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 there's, there's nothing <laughs> else in here. So. The
0: uh, the interesting thing about it, and this is what I said, like when a uh, casino is. Casino and From Russia With Love are my two favorite books and how the two of them mirror each other as far as bookends in this little five book uh, intro series that he wrote. Um, What's interesting is when you were talking about reading the cards and being, you know, reading the cards that you've been dealt, we see that in Casino uh, during the big game with Le Mm -hmm. And uh, this was actually the chapter that I ended up doing for your fan commentary a while back Mm -hmm. on Casino. Mm -hmm. Um, a Whisper of Love, A Whisper of Hate, yeah. where Bond is checking good omens. There's good omens and bad omens. And he talks <laughs> about, oh, he hears at a Baccarat table, oh, somebody won. And now is this is a good omen, but is it a good omen for Bond or a good omen for Le Chiffre, And how will these cards be dealt? And um, what's really interesting about, about this is, and this is where I said this theme of luck and gambling and Uh, comes so interplay um, with with Fleming's books is this is actually chapter 13 the big card game is chapter 13 yeah and Lashif gets dealt um, a 10 and a three so if you know if you're counting (laughs) if you're counting the the numbers the 13 now let's fast forward here and so it's it's a bad omen for Lachif. Lashif ends up losing. We know that you drop the one and so it's just three, Mm. you know, when you're counting up to nine, all of that. Let's talk with From Russia With Love. So we have a chapter in From Russia With Love. This is the one where he's on the plane. Uh, It's Friday the 13th. Yes. He is on flight number 130. He talks about feeling, oh, it very, made him very uncomfortable. I think isn't he even like in seat number 13 or something? There's all these omens. The flight's at 1030, if you drop the zeros. <laughs> he sees this black cat. There's all of these bad omens. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. The, what chapter is plane. that in From Russia With Love? I'm uh, sorry. Uh, That's chapter 13. The BEA messages. takes you there. So there's all of these bad omens for Bond that he ignores and he just continues to gamble. And it's exactly what you said, Edgar. You know, he's, he takes so many risks in this book that eventually yeah. his luck was bound to run out. And I'm curious if Fleming himself, you know, feels as though so much of the spy trade sort of relies on luck versus on the strategy aspect.
2: Yes, it's, it's funny you you asked that question. I it's going back a few months, but I uh, had some I had some time off during the, uh, the Christmas and New Year's uh, holiday season, and I and I read a book about the history of, of spycraft. Uh, and it's not too in depth; it's sort of really drive by over the course of a couple hundred pages, but uh, it's quite fascinating how. You can do all the prep work you want. You can train your agents as well as you want. Sometimes it's just pure dumb luck that sees the mission or whatever the mission happens to be uh, go through, or, or fail. Uh, I, I wonder what the whole idea of luck means when you consider what uh, Kronstein explains you know, the, in the first in the first third of uh, first half, excuse me, of the book, uh, where he says. Much like in the film, like I really think this is going to work because the British—they—they they love these challenges. Like there's almost no way that they're not going to fall for this. So it almost—it doesn't just speak to Bond, although on a on a micro level, because Bond is our hero, uh, we obviously see him take the most chances. But the fact of the matter is, the 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 sage, the savant, the 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 admiral—you know, the master and commander of the whole Secret Service—says, yeah i'm gonna roll the dice on this one so it, it does it does speak a little bit to the british secret service mind you bond's not complaining either but um, but it does say something about the the british secret service and and the fact that as kronstein is a chess player and a world-class chess player three-time moscow champion or russian champion, no moscow champion i think um and Karim later on says watch watch out these damn Russians, when they plan something, they plan the F out of it. Are you you sure you want to go through
1: this? Are you sure? Bond's like, yeah, bro.
2: Yeah, bro. Let's do it. (laughs)
1: Uh, They they know from the, Bond knows from the get go that something's not right. I mean, the the deeper he gets, the deeper is like, something's not right, but you know, I have to keep, keep going. And, in the end when he's confronted by red grant i'm i'm it, it that's i've seen that movie very recently it's a movie uh with anthony Hopkins and alec baldwin directed by um the uh, best bond director guy who did uh, right now his name is, escapes me but the guy who directed diana Day, directed the movie called that's the I'm edge wondering. and uh, uh yeah um at the end Uh, uh, near the end uh, the Attic Baldwin and the uh, Atelier Hopkins have a discussion about the shame and people people can die of shame and Attic Baldwin asks uh, Atelier Hopkins why people can die of shame it's like well you're trapped in this situation and you're thinking of all the ways that you could you could have you know, avoided being in that situation, <laughs> yeah. and that's basically what kills you. It's like the shame. Of, like I could have done that. I could have done that. I could have avoided. And when Bond is on his knees and uh, in front of well, not not on his knees, but he's you know he's being tra- has a gun trained on him uh, by Red Grant. He's about to be executed, and he's thinking about. All the, mm. all the times that, you know, mm. I, I could have done that. Obviously I I, I I made that mistake and he just, you know, he managed to get out of it, but not, not because almost by luck again, like the, the it, it's not by any skills or a gadget from <laughs> Q branch. He just like, I'm going to use that, that thing to block the bullet Cause I know where you're going to shoot me. Cause you talk too much. Um, it's it's you know it, it it shows the weak like that mo- that book exposes uh a, a flaw in the bond character that you know he, ga- he, he, he gambles too much like usually he <laughs> gambles on even, even odds but you know, you know from the get-go that the game has been like tempered with that. You're not, you're not gambling on even odds right now. That the you're not even footing. You are in, in, in an enemy trap. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh,
0: and he, it's quite- and like you said, he was chatting about it with them from the very, very get-go. But the lure of getting that Spector machine was just too great for him. And we see in Casino, uh, even after he, and again total luck that he won the game against Le um but we see him after he wins he's still tempted to keep gambling he's and and there's this internal dialogue he has with himself where he's like oh I don't want to press my luck so in casino he he knows that but it's precisely what you said Matthew he had so many opportunities but Um, I I also feel like the train itself is more to sort of symbolic, like it's on this one track. Bond has this one track mind. He never gets off the train, even though he has all of these opportunities to he's just barreling forwards. Um, It's true. There's no
1: when you're on the train, the the, the game is set. It's uh, Mm. it's a metaphor. (laughs)
0: Exactly.
1: It's obvious obvious now that you're seeing it. Oh, God.
2: There's another layer that uh, I I would broach, if only briefly, is the fact that once, uh, after 100 pages, we finally meet up with James Bond. Uh, There's a little bit of acidi acidi, that has settled in his previous mission. The diamond's mission is some time ago uh, by page 100 in this book. And, you know, Tiffany Case is no longer in his life. That's another topic altogether and boredom boredom is starting to set in he's like he does his morning exercises just to sort of get out of this funk and i guess because he hasn't been as sharp in some time what happens later in the book he's like something's not right but what i i don't know i think there's there's, there's also that element going on too which is maybe more of a um, surface level reading of the book it's not as complex and as in-depth as, as what you and, and i don't have, know I've edgar right i now,
0: but... i don't know edgar i think you have touched on something because this is something that emory and i discussed was ian fleming's oh. seven deadly sins
2: oh we haven't listened to that at the time of this recording we haven't listened to that yet so <laughs> that's, what's coming that's coming out so, wednesday
0: it's coming out wednesday go ahead go on yeah fleming uh fleming was actually very fascinated he's he's drawn at you know as i mentioned before like when he um Karim is one of the Islamic names for God uh, in the Quran. And uh, he draws from a lot of religious inspiration. Mm. Now, I don't think Fleming himself was that religious, but he he does pull from it, uh, you know, for, for these novels. And one thing that he wrote this article on their seven deadlier sins. That the seven mm. sins didn't apply anymore. You know, this is a modern age. We have seven deadlier mm. sins that we're dealing with. Uh, now, all of these bad guys sort of embody when he's written these um, villains, our antagonists, embody mm. some of the seven deadly sins. Now, you mentioned Axity, which flat out in Live and Let Die, which is our second book, that's what Mr. Big claims is his motivation. Yes. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm crippled. See, this is my flaw. Mm. We get to this fifth book. And what's interesting is all of these sins that we see our antagonists having bond actually has himself he's consumed with lust he's consumed with greed for the specter machine he he does suffer from sloth or as you said axity um so it's sort of like he embodies all of these seven deadly sins himself and it ultimately causes his demise
1: (laughs) temporarily temporarily Tem-
0: but, well, yeah. temporarily, yes he will be back we see him again yeah. battling other uh seven <laughs> other
2: characters oh, back? i just i just sent an email to simon saying we we have no more
1: books to talk about <laughs> Oops. To cancel the episode
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh we're we're chatting that they cast someone he, new as 007
1: <laughs> is you know he was medically dead for a second with a two, but they brought him back they brought him back yeah. You survived that, no, but that's also it. that's oh, sorry. Oh, no, please go ahead, My You're on a roll. I, I was gonna say, you know, the fact that he dies and he, he's resurrected the following book. I think, like you said, they, they, we wouldn't have the movie series, they wouldn't have uh, video games, cartoons of James Bond, but the fact that he dies and becomes back to life the following book is. It, it talk about myth making, uh, epic mm. it is. Like they tried to kill him, they tried to, they did kill him, but you know <laughs> even that couldn't keep James Bond from from, right. from, from from action. Like he he, he he managed to come back from that. That's epic. You know, when you 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 think about heroes, uh, it, it, it seems like you know I've read a lot of comic books, but every superhero dies and comes back so at one point. And you think about these franchises like uh, Star Wars, like every Jedi dies and comes back as a Force Ghost. Um, you know, Spock died and came back to life. all these major franchises that last decades have a character that dies and comes back. Even the movie Bond, he dies at the beginning of a skyfall and comes back how many times has he died and come back he dies in um you know there's the, the, the beginning of um you only live twice uh mm-hmm. you see a coffin with his initial that's a recurring theme i don't know where i was going there but it's just like it's it's epic that he.
0: <laughs> it starts to get but i i think and i think this is sort of my complaint with some of the subsequent novels is it starts to get it dip into that sort of superhero realm yeah um, yeah. Whereas I feel sort of these, and, and, and you get an aspect of that in these first five books as well, don't get me wrong, but I, I really feel as though the bond in these first five novels, you really hear his inner monologue, you hear yeah. how he's very um, conflicted with himself, you know, he, he, yeah. he does have self doubt, we see that time and time again throughout these books, he's very human. And you start to see less and less of that inner monologue in the subsequent books when Fleming's writing more for television or for the movies, you Mm -hmm. get more of sort of the action hero. And that's not to say that it's bad. It's not, it's great, it's different. Mm -hmm. Um, I think from a literary standpoint, and, and this is sort of my point, this is why strictly literary, I feel these first five books are stronger. Um, And I think this would have been a fitting end for our hero, Um, you know, but yes, yes. Uh, And and again, that's not to say that the other ones are terrible. I enjoy them. I'm a huge Bond fan. I love the films. I'm just strictly saying from a literary sense, I think Fleming, Mm. these books, these first five are very, very tight and you don't see as much of that in the future just because again what were his his motivation for writing it, it, at a certain point it sort of became a paycheck for him he was very very open about being tired with the character how it was mm-hmm. really yeah. wearing on him um so i mean that's that's not something that's yeah, that was very public knowledge <laughs> hmm. um there's um i mean there might I'm
2: pretty convinced there's a lot to what you're saying uh Melanie with respect to the quality of the subsequent books uh, yeah I'm, I'm even more excited to get into the to the back end of, of, of Fleming but uh, I remember the first time w- me and Matthew because we, we went through all the Fleming's just just him and me the first time those were the, the first 14 book, book reviews of the podcast obviously and I, I remember one of the things as I recall, One of the things we noticed kind of late in the game, definitely in the back end, uh, you know, book eight, nine, ten or whatever, was we were starting to notice like the character arc of James Bond and how he was changing and how he was maybe a little bit more um, quippy in the latter films. I can still remember, uh, you know, we're, we're a few months away from reading Majesties again, but I remember in Majesties as he's escaping the mountaintop in Switzerland. And like the visiting the, said, the, the, the fireworks, so the little explosions fireworks. they're trying to pitch at him. Uh, he, he stops and he takes a swig of something and he wishes himself Merry Christmas before continuing down the slope. And I'm like, oh, that's really funny. The Casino Royale pun would not have done that. No. Uh, no, you know, and that's, and that's
0: where like, I feel like as a, from a reader standpoint um, whenever I've gone back, now again, my first reading of these, I was just having so much fun as a fan. You're caught up in the plot, you're caught up in the characters, you're, you know, you're enjoying reliving aspects of the film, uh, unwritten word. Mm. But mm. on subsequent readings, when you really delve into it and exactly what you said, Edgar, as far as character development goes, for me, the bond in these first five books is a different bond. From the subsequent ones, and I can sort of equate that to the films where you've got your Connery era Mm -hmm. and your Mm. you know Lazenby and Moore, and you know it's it's you've got a different bond. And as a reader, um, just again for me, this particular bond did actually die at the end of this novel. And when we pick back up, uh, I know Matthew, you you mentioned it earlier the the explain the explaining away of how he survived was very sloppily written in Doctor No and for me it's just easier to just completely forget and just be like we got someone new they recruited a new 007 <laughs> 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 this well, one looks imagine... like Brosnan and yeah. let's go
2: <laughs> well I would I would answer two things one of them is more of a joke than anything else I can imagine you know Fleming handed in the manuscript for, uh, for Majesties, uh, for, from Russia. Very proud of his work. You know, I can't wait to see the look on their faces when they read the last page, brother. Um, and the book comes out. Massive success, well-received, makes some tons of money, appears on that famous President Kennedy list, and then he's like, oh no, what have <laughs> I done?
0: <laughs> I gotta write
2: my way out of this one. Um, and then my more serious response is... I wonder... Now, Fleming's dead. We can't read his mind. And I have some Fleming books, as do, I'm sure, as I'm sure you do. I mean, you, you went on a podcast recently with our co-hosts to talk about Fleming. I I, want, I would want to do research to see he kills Fleming at the end of From Russia. Book is super successful. The president of the free world says, you're a great writer. I love this character. Ah, shit. Um, so now he has to... Write this new version. You know, everybody has a hobby. So, what's yours? A resurrection. <laughs> is it a new bond? Not, not in the sense that it was Connery. Now it's Lazenby. But a new bond in the sense that, well, now that I, yes, this is my second life. Uh, now I'm. We're, now we're really gonna go balls to the wall. Pardon the expression. Uh, I wonder if there's a little bit of that. Um, alongside the commercialism. Obviously, as, as, as we're getting deeper, further and further in the book series, we're getting closer and closer to the film Dr. No and the film from Ashura Love and the film Goldfinger. And he, and he sees the success with those first two films. Um, but I wonder if there's a little bit of, um, I don't know, is there an interview somewhere? Is there, an, is there a biographer or a, a, a research a piece of, of literary research out there that maybe hints at Fleming thinking, well, look, I killed this damn character. <laughs> He's literally come back from the dead. So, I mean, at this point, let's have him fight against a squid. What, what, what do you want
1: me to do? You know, I'll, I'll defend Dr. No and probably explain how I, I perceive his change. Because at the beginning of Dr. No, He's still on, on on shaky ground. Bond is not back to his uh, his usual self. It takes the entire book for him to like not only come back uh, as strong as he like as as macho and as powerful as he used to be. But at the same time, uh, he's put through a lot of torture. He's put you know he's electrocuted. He's burnt. And I feel like uh, you know, people sometimes go. To some type of trauma where they're a little bit emasculated, or you know, so, mm. some of their power is taken away from them. And that's what happened to Bond when he was killed in the previous novel. His power is taken, he was humiliated. And it takes his battles with Dr. No, is uh, battle with the octopus, as ridiculous mm. as, it, as it is to say <laughs> they fight the giant octopus. You know, it's my favorite part of that book when he's sort of at his wits. <laughs> just screams, and he says, like, no, my, my normal energy reserves are gone, but I have the animal reserves, and there's plenty more." And he goes through the rest of the adventure. I think the the bond bond goes through a transformation in Doctor No uh, because of the events of from Russia with Love, and he he becomes a superhero. But I think he's kind of crazy uh, to a certain degree. Wolverine mode activated.
0: Well, that's right. <laughs> Well, he's, he's, we'll, save, he's, uh, we'll save that chat. Uh, you, I, I know you guys have, yeah. a, have a whole podcast planned for, for that, and I will I will definitely tune in for that. But
1: uh. <laughs> uh, Let's talk about, you know, do you want to cover uh, Red Grant or uh, Tatiana first? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to choose because we haven't talked really about your lead goon or even uh, Rosa Clare for that matter. I feel like they, they want a little a bit of conversation because um, sure. I, mean, I mean we find out so many details about these these characters that we usually don't in Bond novels we have biographies I can I tell you where probably Red Grant was born and uh, so where Tatiana lives and it's fascinating
0: I really like uh we'll, we'll start with I mean we touched on Rosa a little bit um as far mm-hmm. as this sort of probably being this embodiment of feminism and um oh she was she was quite a character. I'm, Um, But yeah, we haven't discussed really Red Grant and I really appreciate how the book starts with him and you get a much greater backstory um, Mm. on some of our villains here. And then I also think it was really, really smart of Fleming to uh, have sort of dropped him. So we sort of forget about him for the longest time. And then at the tail end of the book, all of a sudden he pops back up now for those of us who are fans of the film we know that that's coming um but i really like to sort of remove myself from that film fandom Mm. and put myself into the place of someone who would have read this book when it had first Mm. come out it was like man you know whatever happened to this character and then he creeps back in at the tail end for this big finale um he was just this ominous character that you you almost really kind of forgot about him.
1: You Forget about him completely. I and I
0: <laughs> loved that element. I thought that was so smart of Fleming. Uh, I I really appreciated that.
2: It, it's it's quite it's quite a coup, and it's it's difficult. I actually had forgotten about him, uh, despite the fact this was not the first time I read this book, and it, it causes an interesting effect. When he slimes his way back into, I mean, there's very, very little left of the book when he comes in. Like there are 28 chapters in this book, and he, he shows up in like chapter 24, 25 as a Captain Steve Nash of the
1: automobile, something or like other. It's Even true. his fake name, uh, you picked up on something because Tatiana mentions that the Cap Nash means I don't know what yes. it means, but it means something. Um, I'm like, oh, just crap, just my dad proves your I feel proves your theory that Fleming like picked these names for a reason.
2: hundred percent. Ours, ours, or our own,
1: and yes, and our own. Like, okay, it, it's, it's almost a effect uh, mm-hmm. cashier to the British service. <laughs> he's
0: one of ours. Yeah, he's one of <laughs> ours. This one is, well, one of ours on which side? Yeah. <laughs> I
2: think that was a moment where, now, Melanie, you, you verbalized, very eloquently, I should say, you verbalized what had been percolated in my mind as I was reading that passage when Tatiana says, I don't like him. Why don't you like him? Well, his name means, what are you talking about, Brad? Um, Because we we know where the book is heading, uh, if you've read it before. We know Bon has been gambling this whole time. And it, it's, it, it sounds like such a stupid reason to not trust a character. It's such a moronic, Reason to not trust a character, but she ends being right. So it's almost there's almost like this weird malevolent force going on, which is the house winning. You know, you never know when
1: it's going to even but Bond it's... picks up on on. on certain gestures or characteristics that about uh, from, from Nash he's like you, you you know he mentions at one point like before he was revealed as being a villain that you know he's probably kind of crazy because of the way he talks and behaves mm-hmm. and there's something not mm-hmm. normal with human about him and it's just it, it you know instinctively like he knows that it's he's dealing with a psychopath um, just because he, he's He's laughing because, you know, he's supposed... Not because he finds it funny, because he knows he's supposed to laugh. So it's it's really sort of Mm. mechanical, robotic. uh, There's something not right you, you were talking about dexter or, or, or we were talking about dexter earlier because of a uh, covid restriction but that's pretty much what he is he's, he's a dexter he's like oh, he's I'm a psychopath yeah he's he's completely like disconnected from like he, he belongs in, a, in an asylum he thinks he's a werewolf for god's sake uh <laughs> that's not, you know because i the the, the the image of uh what's his name robert shaw is so engraved in my head. It's hard mm. for me to not picture that, but I know contrary to the, the, the book book and film, I think mean, they're both equals, but in the book, they, the, the way that he's described, he's a much bigger man mm. than Bond. Like, there's mm. no way they go into a fist fight. Bond is going to get his face smashed in and just <laughs> bloody mess on the wall. He's it, it, just a monster like a werewolf Mm. um it's it's just like i i i kind of like that character i wish you know (laughs) it's it's that thing about the the fleming these characters are so fleshed out in the movie they just he's just a dude and in the the book like you see one we Sorry. could do an entire. they could do, you know, they're talking about the, expanding the Bond universe and making, you know, just do the Red Grant miniseries uh, uh, that ties in with the movie. You just focus, and you don't need to to, to, to redo from Russia what Love. you in becoming a Russian agent. That's that's the story. You set it in the Bond universe. You can have cameos by Cross, Crossy and Rosa Club if you want to, but that's it. it, it There's so much left to be mined from that book, especially when it comes to villains, they all have these backgrounds. as is mm. a family man, but he doesn't give a package uh, about his family. Mm. He's, he's willing to like almost let them die because of his service to the state. He's, he doesn't care at I believe all. He, I believe he is willing to let them die. He says, well, if
2: I was in this chess match and it was the final move and I received a note that my wife had such and such accident the well, tough Honey, yeah. I have to finish this match, which is quite a uh, very particular philosophy, won't I? I All of realize.
0: these, you know, really quickly, Matthew, you were talking about um, Red Grant and this werewolf aspect, whereas in the movie, he seems a little bit more like just a normal average guy. And that's one of the things you really get from these uh, novels is Fleming loved just these grotesque, uh, villains like mm. all of the, the way he describes them whether it's the sort of werewolf or the the gigantic molds on people or their hideous <laughs> faces or Rosa Klebb's mustache or um, people with football shaped heads or you know golfing in a bikini oh right mm. ruddy complexions where they're all like red and uh, but you know w- w- As you get into some of the much later novels, especially I think we really start to see it like with Largo where he appears more as this, it's more believable where the villains are Mm. just more average men, but just Mm. internally are just really evil and corrupt. And and that does change. Going back to Cranstein really quickly. One thing that I loved about the book that you don't really get in the movies is the sense of fear and you see that too in tatiana this absolute fear where he's at that chess tournament and he is just sweating bullets because the note came (laughs) yeah the note came from um is it specter um (laughs) smirsch Um. Smirsh, smirsh. Yeah, Smirsch before we get, the, but uh, you know, you get this, uh, he's sweating bullets. He doesn't know what to do. He knows that he could be, this could be death for him if he continues the mm. match. Does he just get up and leave and having, you know, that's something that you really don't get is how uh, like Tatiana, she was really afraid. I mean, this is life in, in communism. She doesn't have a choice. It, you know, her, her choice is. you know, she either, stays and has to submit herself to rosa or she mm. you know turns sides and tries to go with bond at the end of this like what are her mm. choices but just that sense of looming fear that you get from uh even the villains that are that are part of this organization i love it it's brilliant and that's something that you just don't get on film no you- no
2: you don't uh, i mean this isn't the a- political podcast but it's no secret that the 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 stalin years were they were very particular um and and it instilled a very particular philosophy on life over there Uh, the prestige, some of the vestiges of which are still there until this day although it although it's obviously not quite like what it was in the 40s and 50s Uh, but yeah it's 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 one of those things where before anybody reads a book like from Rushwood Love and says, well, I mean, this is an exaggeration, I mean, come on guys. It was, well, open a few history books. It's, it's Fleming did a little bit of research before reading those chapters, uh, as, as he actually mentions at the start of the book saying, well, in case anybody's wondering if these buildings exist, they didn't. It's, and it, yet, yeah, it's, it's it's very uh, the fear is quite palpable. We are fearful for Tatiana, especially Tatiana, who you know the first time we see her, she's having she's preparing her supper in her modest little room in this government house, and she's dreaming about one day living on the eighth floor because that's where the cool cats are. Um, and then she gets the call from someone she knows. Who, when this person usually calls her, it's on a first name ba- basis. And this time it was Comrade Romanov uh, Romanov, and uh, she's like, "What? Why is he saying Comrade Romanov?" <laughs> um, and, and I'll just say this because I know long-time listeners are familiar with the running gag about my fascination with Rosa Klebb. All that being said, when Fleming was describing this woman stop it stop it i've heard enough i've heard enough <laughs> the, the running gag is now dead i couldn't take it anymore stop it badly packed sandbag. stop it uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I appreciate your, your commentary about the fear. It's extremely probable, and it's interesting that we get it through our leading lady, going back to your point, Matthew, about the backstory that a lot of these characters get, among them Tatiana. It's, it's really, really cool, really, really cool, as is Tatiana's plight. Um, speaking of which, how much clearer do we think her transition is in the book vis-a-vis the films I know one of the minor criticisms of the film which is a lot of film it's a lot of people's favorites is that it's it's a little bit indecipherable when Tatiana goes from unbeknownst Spectre agent to I love you James it's true but I love you James it's a little clearer here where there's sort of this it is a little bit like a switch though she's in the She's in bed with, uh, with Bond, much like in the film. And we sort of briefly go back into her mindset and it's like, oh, this is actually quite pleasant. And he's actually, thank goodness, he's actually a reasonably nice human being. This might be actually kind of cool and maybe it's my way out. Uh, what, what do we think about that transition from um, dutiful Soviet agent to treacherous? <laughs> I want to live in the West, please. Thank you very much. Thanks for the plane ticket, uh, the train ticket. Um, how do we think that transition works in, in the book? I, I think
0: it's, I think it's a, I mean, it's, it's much more clear. Um, I, I've, for her, from her perspective, it's like there was no choice, mm. right? I mean, mm, she might as well right. she, you know, take your chances. What are you going back to? You've got Rosa waiting for you on the other end. Yeah, it's I mean, it's more of a binary choice, right? She's, <laughs> like, all, she's all
2: don't up for you. She's just waiting for you on that. Couch. And, and,
0: and I, I mean, I think that's I, I think for her, it was, you know, what I found interesting is from Bond's perspective, because, uh, you know, and again, going back through the, the previous books, how Bond always sorts of gets the girl. So I don't think this is any surprise. This is our hero usually gets the girl. It's all of these unattainable women where you have, mm. you know, um, starting with Vesper uh, who's, who's very standoffish, but he wins her over. And then you have mm. solitaire. Um, you have, let's see, uh, gala who of course is married or engaged, mm. engaged to be yeah. married. Um, but you have all of these hurdles. Uh, Tiffany, who's very damaged and mm. um, has this, terrible backstory, but, and then now you have her, which, uh, they keep men- dropping Greta Garbo. She's the, uh, yes. which I didn't realize going into this, I was like, what is up with all the descriptions of Greta Garbo? And <laughs> it was brought up that Greta Garbo's catchphrase was she was unattainable. She was like, I want to be left alone. So it's mm. again, one of these things where Bond is able, oh, she doesn't want any man. She wants to be left alone. She's this Greta Garbo, which would have yeah. spoken to people at the time this book came out. Yeah. Yeah. She's unattainable. Except to bond, <laughs> and and we see course. this in subsequent novels. I mean, look at Pussy Galore; he can turn anyone.
2: <laughs> so. Oh, that'll be a fun conversation. Just a
0: real... but, oh. um, but I, feel, I feel we bring guests. Some. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. Uh, I feel her transition, like you said, you get you get much more of her internal monologue. Uh, you know what's waiting for her um, on the other side of the iron curtain, and. So, I mean, it, it doesn't come as a surprise. She sees this as a more as a way out, Mm. you know, and I think bond is more of a realist, you know, it's, it's really interesting because he has that whole, um, internal monologue as well. Just walking through the steps of what's going to happen to her, Mm. how she's going to be sweated out at this house in Guilford and, (laughs) you know, all of the different things that she's going to have to go through. So bond knows, um what's waiting for her but i think for her it's you know she was in this tiny little apartment waiting to be told who she was going to marry and uh the closer she gets to it now you know this does this does serve an interesting question though which is could she have remained working for them and all of this was just a ploy I didn't get that in I didn't get that impression, but we never truly know. I think Bond gives us our answer when he sort of walks us through the steps, but it is no. kind of fun to think about.
2: <laughs> I don't I wasn't under that impression either. And not only not only because of the the moments when Fleming allows us to go back into her mind later in the book, not, not as often as I would have liked because uh, we get two full chapters in her head uh, at the start, and then it's sort of on and off after that. But we still go back in her mind, and, and she does seem to be really keen on this potential new life, which, which, and the other reason, so it's not just the the, the prose that describes her mind or her thought process, but also the fact that we have this dichotomy. We have Tatiana uh, uh, Romanov, who is a, up until this point, a dutiful Soviet agent, um, Who's now tempted to live in the West, a different life, perhaps a more joyous life? Bond says that there's light in her face or light in her eyes, an expression she's not familiar with. And says, Well, you just, you know, you, there's a little bit of life in you. Conversely, we have the assassin, Donovan Grant, who is from the West, but that was actually tempted to live in this uh, very uh, austere and, 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 uh, and very draconian uh, state. So we sort of have these two very different characters who are now tempted to to cross, um, cross borders, cross political and societal borders. Uh, so to speak. So and that could be intentional for Fleming as well. I don't, know, I don't know how much we actually want to read into this book. We've been reading a lot into this book, but I mean, that could be another one. He's like, well, if I have this character start here and want to go there, I'll make the leading lady start there and want to go here.
0: That That's a really, really good point, Edgar. And, you know, and I, I think even the the contrast between those two characters and then we're sort of echoed through the contrast of Rosa and uh Karen you know mm. those two really contrast <laughs> each true. other as well mm. so you know I think you've got a really strong point there and even you know now thinking back when she's in her tiny little apartment at the very beginning and then she ends up on the orient express and everything is so lavish and mm. no I, I think you're on to something
1: you're welcome she's <laughs> um... <laughs> being introduced to commu- uh, to, to capitalism
2: Oh yeah, see how fun money is? That's awesome.
0: <laughs> as and as as Fleming said as well, sign me up yes. for a few more.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I know I killed him. It's instant front. you're telling me for much for love, put how much in my bank account? I'll find a way. Don't Back worry. up that
0: dump truck of money. Beep, beep, beep.
2: <laughs> Dead. Oh, it's Lord. expensive living at GoldenEye. I
0: need to write another book.
2: But you killed him. That's
1: details, my dear boy. Details. <laughs> uh, but she, they do, you know, I, I, I was thinking that this time, uh, uh, thinking about the, because uh, uh, they're blackmailing her to work. Not only is the state, you know, making her do these things, but they, they, during her interview, they take down the note, they write down, make her write down the, the names of the people she sleeps, with, slept with. Uh, they have her address so they know that there are children there. So they're threatening these people I was, you know, I can't help myself think that, you know, these people are probably all dead by the end of the novel. You
0: know, know, it's interesting that you bring that up. And Edgar, that was a point that you made uh, earlier about, uh, you know, the if you read through history and the actual fear of, you know, communism and organizations similar to this um, and, you know, how how the plot of um, this book, you know, it's it's not that far off from some of the things we see in real life, the whole mm-hmm. honey trap thing and mm-hmm. these smear campaigns. And, um, you know, I know Koklov, um, who was a defector, mm-hmm. um, is mentioned three times in the book. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Burgess, who's mentioned uh, wow. in the book as well. I mean, these are all very real real threats and espionage is you know having loose lips sink ships and having these defectors and people turn (laughs) and and um and how you know with with regard to um with regard to like the Cambridge Five you know when that happened Mm. and all of that came out I mean that really hurt Uh, US and British uh, intelligence relations, because now all of a sudden you're seen as a a government who has leaks. And, and, and so, I mean, it, 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 I think the, the whole plan in this book is, isn't too far-fetched. No,
2: I mean, the logic there is, there is an inherent logic in, in strategy, which is, and and I think General G uh, is, is sort of, it, it's it sparks in general, Jesus, geez, that sounds like Jesus, it sparked in Jesus's mind. <laughs> um, and, and, but it's fleshed out by Cronstein where he says, well, okay, yeah, I, I know who James Bond is, I've heard of him, it'd be kind of cool to kill him, but let's do it in such a way that the British look like a bunch of freaking morons. <sighs> uh, and it goes public. Uh, and, that, and that speaks to, you know, stuff like the, the Cocklob Affair, or the Burgess Affair, uh, or the or the uh, Cambridge Five, which when that when that blew up, I'm not I'm not intimately familiar with those stories, but we've all heard a little bit about them. When that stuff blew up, yeah, it when it when that kind of stuff goes public, which it shouldn't, because you're a spy, uh, but when it goes public, it goes to show you how disappointing it can be in the eyes of 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 you know your your statesman, the people who you're trying to protect, it precisely. So yeah, no, there's a very Nasty, you know, fo- foxy, you know, uh, v- villainy to 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 Kronstein's strategy here. It's like, yes, we'll kill Bond because he's pissed us off a few times already. Let's do it in a way that you know, really, uh, like, what did the what did the British say? Egg on their face, have egg on their face. They yeah, their the, face? They, they want to kill him
1: twice. They want to kill the man, but kill also the 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 uh, the, char- the, the, the character. It's a character assassination they're doing. Mm.
2: Yeah. So you want to, at, at the end, sense.
1: you know, the, the character assassination fails, but the mur- murder technically still does happen. But um, you know, part, parts of bon- part of Bond technically survive. Uh, if you don't read the following uh, <laughs> novels, uh, if you live in that continuity, there, there's uh, there's there, there's an argument to be way- made that he partially succeeded in defeating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smurf, Smurf has egg on his face because not only did they kill a man for no good reason, except that he's good at his job, but they he also they managed to to, to expose uh, a conspiracy against him yes. in in the in in the uh, in, at the same time exposing their their weakness. So you know, even in death, he's even more impressive if, if he actually did die that you can look at it this way because I know only you 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 failed to ruin my reputation I saw you, what you did mm. um, you, and you you didn't do it so mm. my, you might be dead but, but and also you know the, the, the elect this the specter doesn't explode uh, on Q, in, in Qs face um, you know the to is still that alive. Is and, a
2: bomb. That's almost unfair. like a forgotten detail. It's almost like, oh,
1: by the way, this is a bomb. What? <laughs> <laughs> they don't have, you know. But if you, it's barely a victory at the end of you know. It's just, you know, he, he didn't ruin Bond's reputation, but you know uh, that that that's that's the success they that they had in defeating Smirch, because uh, everything else, you know, it's it, it, it just they just killed Bond. It's just, it's, it's, it's a very, I don't, I wouldn't call it iticlomactic. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that word correctly. But it's, it's something odd that at the end, yet they, they do succeed in killing Bonne. So they, they, they achieve parts of their goal.
0: But I think, I think there's sort of something beautiful in that where, you know, uh, at the, at the end of this, and, and again, like I said, I love the ending Um, so I'm a little bit biased but you can kill the you can kill the man but you didn't you didn't kill the character you didn't uh, tarnish his reputation you Mm. know Um, and and given some of the thought processes that Fleming um, had throughout these novels and some of his um, interweavings of seven deadly sins and things of that nature Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of uh, fitting it's like you know Hey we're all gonna die but what what remains after we're gone is our reputation mm. and mm. they didn't end up ultimately winning because of exactly what you said Matthew because his reputation yeah. was still intact so uh,
1: you know it's beautiful that we just said that there, there, there's <laughs> you know it's, it's a, you know I, I've always loved that book but eh, a little bit a little bit more. Oh. So uh, that, that during this discussion, you just you know you just like oh well, there's a lot of stuff that I, I was like I didn't see at all. Well, see I'm a I'm so French.
0: glad. I'm glad that I maybe helped elevate it in your opinion a little bit because, like I said, a little bit more. My like it's
1: already high, but it's yeah. a little bit higher. Well,
0: yeah. Well, thank well, I mean, you New again York's for having me research. on and. Uh, thank you again for having me on, and I, I really um, I had a great time chatting about it.
2: <laughs> uh, and and uh, it's it's it, it's interesting because we've now had you two times on, on the show, although sort of by by happens as it'll be it'll be your third episode. Uh, but yeah, it's it, you're 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 a very very interesting guest. I mean, oh. c- clearly when we ask you to appear on the show, I can I can see you in my mind's eye. It's like, leave me alone. I need to do three weeks of research to be ready for this show. And (laughs) I'm like, well, we're recording in three days. I guess I'll read the book now. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just a super nerd.
1: (laughs) Have you ever listened to the audiobook presentation uh, of these novels? Um, This this is the one that's uh, uh, read by uh, uh, what's his face <laughs> yeah well the, the, uh, Gustav Graves does the narration oh the I
0: television. you know I listened to the I listened to the Moonraker one of those those are the ones that I think they were on like BBC radio or something yes. like that right
1: but well, those are the uh radio play but uh this this is the full-fledged uh uh he's reading the book and he does all the voices at the same time and it's mm. it just it's, just great It's Rosa Claire. It's just this little, uh, it's, it's oh god, gee.
0: I haven't done that. Um, I'm a little strange. Um, as far as audiobooks go, I there's, there's some that I listen to, I'm a little hesitant to do the audiobooks for Bond because I feel like, um, just like with anything, when you're reading for yourself, you have your own voices in your head, you have your own imagery and um it's sort of like when you hear a song Mm. and then you watch the uh music video it kind of changes (laughs) your perception of the song (laughs) a little bit sometimes so um so i'm a little hesitant to do some of this now i did listen to the um i did listen to the audio like you said the radio play of of moonraker which was which was good um i haven't listened to any of the bond audiobooks yet and you know what um I'll have to do that because I think it would be fun you know just going about the house or whatever and I and
1: highly recommend I have to recommend. give it a try
0: I'll have to give it a try I've been hesitant but I will have to give it a try
1: <laughs> I I know Edger's yeah, the same way you are I I I guess you know I I, I don't wor- my my imagination works with my ears I I see images that I hear I when I read it it doesn't I don't process Information the same way, so I, I kind of I love my audiobooks. I can still read. I'm not illiterate, but it's <laughs> it's easier to get into a story if I I'm being told it. It, it I know it goes back to something very uh, f- from my childhood. So I guess that's why. But um, well, you all are I in
0: the right. Uh, you have the right hobby here with podcasts, so your listeners <laughs> can can listen to us <laughs> while they go about their day as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Um, so, I would just, and, and you know, the, the, just going briefly
1: back to, I don't know uh, what editions uh, you've, you, you guys. Well, she, have. she, I saw it. She, she has the same edition as I, 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 I have. I have
0: the, um, did, you buy,
1: did you buy, did you buy the, the whole set or individually? Did you buy the book, the, the, the box set or?
0: I did not. I have a mishmash of editions here. Some of them are very old, um, and and others are. So this one is the Penguin, which I think weren't these? Didn't these come out in the early 2000s? I want to say
1: 2008-ish. I think the the, the a little that's, a little edition.
0: This one is 2003. I'm looking. It's the
1: Century. I'm looking at my books. It's the Penguin Centenary uh, Collection,
0: yeah. Yeah, so mine mine says it was 2002 in the UK, 2003 in the US. I have the US edition.
2: Yeah, because I remember buying those at around the time Casino Royale 06 came out. And there's something funny about how Penguin labels their stuff, because that's not the first time you read off the label of your box, Matthew, saying it's a centenary edition. And you've seen my hardcover, sort of the Austin College yeah, site. And those ones say it's a centenary edition. So I'm like, well, what's the centenary edition? He has completely different centenary. It says, I have it's,
1: a... <laughs> <laughs> what's on my box? But, you know. Uh, it's
2: weird. I don't know. I don't know if there was a goof up with Penguin. Penguin, they're pretty good at this stuff. I'm surprised that they would have like, gotten mixed up. And
1: I'm not a fan them. of their current edition, the, the black edition, that uh, you are, no. with that uh, behind your shoulder. I just think they're...
0: The minimalist, oh, the,
1: yeah, yeah, it's too minimalist. I'm like, uh, yeah. oh, I need some not. beautiful <laughs> illustration. We have a friend, uh, uh, of the show, Jean Gaillette, uh, uh James Bond, Quebec, who has a, a couple of first edition and uh, yeah, that's gl- glorious. He, he has uh, a first edition from Russia with Love, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just like when we when, when saw those and picked those, it's, it's like the holy grail. We're like, oh, ah! smelt it.
2: Yeah. Smell- we,
1: we actually did.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm. 60 six year old glue. Mm. <laughs> Marvelous. Smells like library. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah. Uh, I'm just getting.
1: Oh, hold on a second. Are, are you- what's wrong are you getting what what's wrong what's going ahead Girl, what's going on no, i'm just
2: doing i'm just doing what i always do which is check our, our james bond Complex gmail inbox as we're recording a show i do this at the end of every episode uh new email at 1 18 p.m eastern standard it's from uh gotta be feckish. how did he get our email how did m white get our email I demand M White even...
1: again. Oh man, again. I keep blocking I him, and he keeps creating new accounts.
2: You know what I think? What happens? I think it's uh, I think it's a, a, um, a triple threat. You have M White who delivers the message, which is, do you have people everywhere? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Dot 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 exclamation mark. Um, and he works with Silva and Boris. So together, you have this really killer threat. Um, it's funny that no other podcasts are ever hacked like we are. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because we're the best. Maybe it's because we're the best. I don't know. Uh, but we do have people everywhere, uh, such as Melanie. Uh, you can you can find us a little bit everywhere. We're at www.thejamesbundcomplex.com. Uh, we have Twitter at the Bond Complex, Instagram at the James Bond Complex. We have a Facebook page, search for the James Bond Complex. We're hosted at anchor.fm. We thank them very much. Uh, free stuff is fun. Um, we have a YouTube channel, which is growing a little bit. Search for the James Bond Complex. Subscribe and tickle us with the thumbs up button. And of course, if you're a traditionalist, if you're a purist, kind of like if you're a Fleming purist, you're a podcast purist, you just want to listen to us. uh, We can be downloaded directly on Anchor or Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, search for the James Bond complex, subscribe, uh, write a review. Maybe don't end the review on a cliffhanger. Like, let us know what you think of the show Uh, and uh, leave us a five-star glowing uh, Soviet uh, pick. Uh, sickle. actually Sickle sicko soviet's sickle review uh melanie uh you are quite active online o- on a platform or two where can our listeners uh re- rejoice in your social media publications
0: well i um i'm on instagram uh you can find me at burb james burb and uh and i'm also on twitter under the same name i don't tweet that much despite the fact that my entire uh instagram account is a parity. it's Mm -hmm. um it's my pet parrot and so we we have we have a bit of fun with uh with bond recreating some some bond seams with my uh Pet bird. So, yes,
2: I <laughs> it's
0: You uh, were saying on our on the. It on is. The it's a,
2: yeah, Senegalese, It's yeah. a
0: Senegal parrot. Yes. So, uh, so I, I like to have a bit of fun with it.
1: <laughs> Need to do wow. sweeted version of every bomb movie with the parrot thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: it's it's just for fun. It's silly. It's light. Uh, so, if you're looking for uh, maybe a chuckle or two, you can come and visit me there.
2: You want license to tweet? Literally.
0: <laughs>
2: do parrots tweet? Tweet,
0: but, uh, yeah, a lot so... of times he just screams. But <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so um, that does it for Fleming's second edition. Calling from Russia with love. Uh, the series will be back. Doctor No's coming up. Um, despite the fact that James Bond is dead, or is he? <laughs> uh, so just as Bond, th- this really does feel apropos, just as James Bond always does return, uh, so to will the James Bond complex with whatever we have scheduled in the group Calendar for next week. Uh, on that note, merci pour À la prochaine, à la prochaine. bello. ça.
1: Bravo, bravo. Au revoir.